you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring. This is Stone Gossip! everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and we promised you something special a little bit of a surprise and if you got the pop-up in your podcast feed saying that there was a new episode today you were probably a little bit puzzled but guess what we have something great for you today. We got Kenny Main to come join us on the show to talk about his experiences and his love and his passion for Pearl Jam. He'll talk about his friendship with Jeff Amend as well and so many great things in our conversation with him. This is all kind of celebrating this week sort of being our uh, two-year anniversary. So let's introduce us. I'm Randy Sobel here. That's John Ferraro over there. And John, this was a really good conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. He had he talked about his favorite song. He talked about seeing them live. He talked about, you know, when he got married, there was a song that he, he and his, his wife played at their wedding, kind of a cool thing we talked about. So, yeah, there's some great stuff in here. We definitely, uh, you know, thank him for taking the time out, and it was, it was a great conversation. Yeah, and uh, look, you know, I, I worked at ESPN for a very long time. I worked there almost 10 years. And uh, weirdly weirdly enough, uh, my, mine and his path never crossed. Uh, we were He was always on the West Coast when I was in Bristol, and uh, it just never worked out that I worked on a show with him. So getting to actually speak to him was, was pretty cool because at one point I, I could have worked with him, and I would have loved to work with him. So, uh, yeah, the, just a great conversation and, and really uh, – Let's kick it off. And, and the first thing we really talked about, I wanted to get to know because he was living in Seattle, like right in that the heart of that grunge when that era was just starting late 80s, early 90s. And I wanted to see if he was a part of that and what he remembered from that. So uh, here was his answer on that. Uh, well, it's kind of funny. I was in what I now refer to as my blue period back then. So I had long story short, I had a TV job in Seattle got interviewed by ESPN, didn't get hired, went back. A lot of stuff was going on at my job. It'll bore you for this, you know, show right here. But I ended up quit. I ended up quitting that job. And I went through, like, I assembled garbage cans. I sold prepaid legal insurance. I sold long distance. All the while, I was freelancing in television. I was trying to get to ESPN still, right? Mm-hmm. And I 
will say I probably, you know, I knew it was around, but I was seriously just kind of going through my own little thing at the time. Maybe grunge music would have been good for me. You know, maybe I should have been more into it than I was. But no, you know, I'd hear it. I didn't, I can't say I really partook in it when it's crazy because like all that was right there, you know, 10 miles away. Could have gone to this and could have gone to that. Sure. But I was kind of, like I said, I was kind of going through what I was going through and just wasn't, I wasn't out and about that much. I was, I was laying pretty low trying to get my career back in line. My best experience though, the best way to answer that is I got, that's our dog Muller. Uh, <laughs> I can, I wish I could, I could look up the date. I could find out when it was, but it had to be 91 ish, uh, 92 maybe. Cause I was, I know I was freelancing at the time and I was doing a shoot for NBA entertainment and they had said, Hey, we want you to go shoot this guy from Pearl Jam is going to shoot a poster shoot with Sean Kemp of the Sonics. Uh, and we want you to go shoot the shoot, interview them about their relationship and all that. So it turns out it's, it's Sean Kemp and Jeff Ament, the bass player. And I, you know, I knew who the band was. I didn't intimately know Eddie, you know, was the, the lead guy. So everybody knew that name, but I was kind of like, Oh, you're in that band. But, you know, so it was kind of like, I was like a novice, you know, learning about it. And I kind of like got in the music more after that. It was like, I'd heard it on the radio, but I wasn't like, ardent fan by any means i'm not going to make up that i was like you know first in line but jeff and i just developed a nice relationship through the years kind of lost contact for a little bit number of years later we were in a softball event together in seattle the, the 2001 baseball all-star game oh yeah that's right I remember and, that. and we've been kind of good friends ever since we've you know seen each other stay in touch you know send each other political things and gone to a, a bunch of concerts you know since that time but I will have to admit, and, I, and I'm embarrassed, to say, I was late to the party, but I think my reason is pretty valid. I was kind of like in my own little funk. I, was, I just wasn't going out on the town. I barely had money to pay eight bucks wherever the hell they were playing back in those days, you know. That's kind of sounds like Seattle in a nutshell, right? Like <laughs> that's sort of the era. But, but what's kind of funny about it, I know so many people who know the Pearl Jam members one way or the other, and the reason is just we're neighbors. Like they said, I've heard Ed say that at shows many times, like, you know, welcome friends and neighbors. And, and, they, and he means it, you know. Right. My, my cousin and my uncle used to see uh, Stone up at a Safeway on, I think it was on Queen Anne Hill. They'd say, oh, yeah, we bump into all the time. Uh, people see the other guys out in West Seattle or whatever, just around town. Um, and, you know, they're regular people. Like I've played with uh, Mike McCready has uh, Crohn's colitis and does this big foundation event uh to, to raise money you know for for the research and so they've had this football game i think it's gone on like seven years now i've played most of them and it's just so fun i mean you're like jeff amon's my halfback and and mccready's out there in the celebrity game uh ed i have not seen him show but maybe he's gone to one where i wasn't there he, he likes going to the fantasy baseball camps that's yeah. that's his ordeal exactly but i mean the, the the point is you know they're human you know they're flesh and blood they're not they, I mean, they are an amazing band. They're in the Hall of Fame, but they're also just regular people, right? And they all know the thin line that, you know, has them on this side or that side of success or just sure. being that band that, you know, ended up playing the Puyallup Fair or something, you know? So uh, <laughs> but they stuck with it. It's cool to see how they have stayed together. That's a long time, you know? Yeah, 30 years is to see what's evolved. all happened in the world in 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many bands from 1990 are still together. I can't yeah. really think of that and many. Relevant. 
you know, and right. relevant. Well, right. That can still make records that people that by the millions are going to buy. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say, I told you I got remarried about three years ago now. And the opening song, like our first dance song, my wife sang to me in my ear while they played it, you know, like on tape. And it's, I think it's probably my, still my favorite song. It's Untitled, it's called. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, well, that's a, that's, that's a cool one for a wedding song. Oh, yeah. I like that. It's about trying to go, you know, find the one you love, right? You got some sure. car, got some gas, and yep. how, how like the person completes you, you know? So uh, that was that was kind of a cool thing to have. It would have been cooler to have them play, but, you know, they, they were otherwise involved. In <laughs> they were a little bit busy. So uh, when did you start getting into their music? Like, when did you start to connect with it on a personal level? Uh, when did you become a fan? I think... I, you know, I'd hear it, like I said, I'd hear it on the radio. I knew of it right away. I was like, oh, those guys are pretty good. They played it all the time out there. So I liked it, but I just wasn't, you know, wasn't into the lyrics as much, wasn't, you know, buying the album. Now, do you need to buy anything? You just sign up for Apple and write in the name, but that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> I, I think once I started going to more of the shows, because I've been to a whole bunch over, you know, what years? Is it 20, you know, for 20 years, I guess, you know, maybe a little less than that. Um, and they're all so different. You know, because they like to, they had one, one tour, I remember, wish I could remember the year where they tried to be different every show. I can't remember how many shows they did, but they literally tried. The Mansfield Field one, or is, is that the one you're talking about, the Mansfield shows? Yeah, one of them was in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that was the trilogy. Yeah, the trilogy in Mansfield. I feel like, yeah, I think that might have been it, yeah. And they also had, they had like a surprise at one of the concerts. They like to, you know, put out the word or sometimes cryptically, but they came out early, did a little acoustic thing and hardly anybody was in the audience because people are out hanging out in the parking lot and eating and doing whatever they're doing. So, I mean, they make it fun that way. Uh, Wrigley for the lightning bolt tour. I actually, I saw you that day and I didn't say anything. I I saw you kind of in the distance. It was, it was during the rain delay. I saw you walking around and yeah. Well, our story (laughs) is great because we were doing this thing called wider world of sports for ESPN. Mm-hmm. We were doing a takeoff on the old show. And that year we were doing all us stuff and we, we might have chosen that event because we also knew Pearl Jam was playing adjacent, you know, to the dates. Of course. Yeah. Um, so we were, but we were far away. We were in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky actually, but near Cincinnati shooting the world cornhole championships, beanbags. Right. And shot for the day. Jumped in the car, drove to Chicago, went to the show, stayed the night, went back, shot the next day, finished our job. But as you know, the show, the, the album was called Lightning Bolt, and there was a lightning storm uh, that sent everybody away. They, you know, they put out on the speak, we have to take cover, you know, for safety purposes. And it was a long delay. I mean, it, I'm guessing three yeah, hours. Three, it was a really just long about delay. three hours, yeah. So about two hours deep into it, two and a half, we'd run across the street and got, we got pizza and snuck it back in the security guard let us come back and forth in the back where we were standing and this cop tells us hey you guys should get out of here man they're, they're not letting them back out like curfew's coming up and basically we were hearing from what we thought was the inside right like somebody giving us a little tip i'd grab a cab and, and and you know beat the crap we're like we threw our hands up like oh well we heard five songs or seven songs whatever it was so we get in the cab but now i'm looking at pearl gems twitter and they're saying hey we can't control the weather please hang in there. We really want to come back and finish. As soon as the weather clears, we're coming back out. So me and one guy, Aaron, 
jump in another cab immediately and go back. The other guys think we're out of our minds, like they're never coming back. Uh, I think we missed one song, came in, and they played, what, till 2 in the morning, I think. Yep, let's play till 2, yeah. Standing next to Dennis Rodman, he was there. I mean, <laughs> that was a crazy night and, and a great show. Oh, yeah, we, we did all of the Wrigley stuff about a month or two ago, and it was just – it was so much fun reminiscing and going back. And that, that was the only – that was the only show – of the the Wrigley five that, that I was at. And I just remember having to be there because Wrigley was sort of this, you know, it's, it's an American treasure and for them to play that and Ed's connection to the stadium is, is so important to the band. I'd say my favorite though, by far, just because of what it all meant. I was in Seattle. This is about 2003 ish, four ish, one or the other. And we were, this is back in the period where I was doing these pretend football stories all the time. We would like make up a, a silly. The, uh, the countdown ones. Um, oh, countdown. yeah. I, I remember one of them because I knew when I was working at ESPN, I had seen one of the guys that you had used. Had, yes, yeah. I had seen him around. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the story. So we got this guy named Max Kim, super nice guy. He's uh, into British metal. If you ever do a British metal show, you can bring him <laughs> Um <laughs> So he's from South Korea, and one night I'm doing Sports Center. We were planning what our next week's story was, and we were been kicking around. We should do like a fake player, like you know the old what was it Sid Finch, you know the old the old yep. things. Right. And Max is on the floor, and I said, Max, you ever been to Seattle? And he's like, No, you know, like I would definitely go to Seattle. He's all excited, you know. So we tell the bosses, we tell his bosses, you know, here's what we're trying to pull off. Call the Seahawks. Would you let us do this crazy story? And they rolled out the red carpet. Holmgren was the coach at the time. We had a fake press conference. People can look it up. If His name we gave him was Kim Il-Zong, K-I-M-I-L, <laughs> last name Z-O-N-G, word number 129. And the joke was that he plays all 22 positions. They signed him for a billion dollars because they want to win now. You know, like we, They made a whole spectacle of it for us, let him on the field during practice. I and just the, remember him punting the ball with the cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. He walked through the tires also with the cigarette. More gene. <laughs> so that's the first year. The, the second year we come back, and it's the next season, we're like, well, let's do that Kim Il-Zong story again. That was funny the last time. This time we were going to pretend that he kind of let the Seahawks down. He kind of lied about his talent, and he, he really couldn't play any positions. So, so the first time, Jeff Amon was in the story pretending this guy's so awesome, he might even take Ed's spot in Pearl Jam. He could, there's nothing he can't do, right? Second year, this is by sheer coincidence. I, you know, because we kind of made the trip in a hurry. Pearl Jam's playing a concert at Benaroya Hall, which is our like fancy place. You know, it's it's like where orchestras play and theater and so forth. Uh, Pavarotti would play there, that kind of place, right? Um, so we we are driving right by that place. So we look up, it says Pearl Jam sold out. So we jump out of the car. Immediately, we got something to shoot, right? Like, now he can't even get into a Pearl Jam show. We played that trick. But we, we have no intention of going to the concert because we're supposed to go to the basketball game. The Sonics had a preseason game that night. So Brent Berry is uh, a guy that we come up to and, and say, hey, can you give us a couple lines for this fake story we're doing? And he does a great job on the court. It's, it's pregame for this NBA game. And he says, hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, what do you mean? We're at your game. And he's like, do you want to go to Pearl Jam instead? I was like, hell yeah, we'll go to Pearl Jam. So he, he said, go in the locker room, dig in my jeans for my keys, go out to the parking lot. There's, he has like a VW bus at the time. And the tickets, he just didn't want them to go to waste. Right? The tickets are right there in his console. 
So we leave that game. We'd already shot what we needed. And we go to probably my favorite concert, you know, of the many, the Ben Arroyo concert. And so it's also probably my favorite album because they made an album of that that I bumped into at a, like a flea market in Fremont. Uh, so I have that as well. It's just on so- vinyl or on CD? Uh, CD. Oh, okay. I was about to say on vinyl, that flea market, that is a bargain right there. Yeah. No, it was on CD. But, but I just remember the whole, they played a Johnny Cash song. They played uh, the first time they'd ever unveiled Man of the Hour from the movie mm-hmm. Big Fish, which is also right. one of my favorite movies. Um, there were just so many moments and we had great seats. I mean, we were just blown away. Like how, how did all that even happen? You know, like how did we choose Brent Berry to be our interview subject? Could have been somebody else, right? Right. And how he, he was so kind, like he didn't want the tickets to go to waste. And uh, so I've always tried to pay him back. I, I don't think I've, I've done it yet, but it was a pretty cool night and, and a memorable concert, obviously, with everything they did that night. Yeah, that's wow. That's fantastic. Especially it, it still goes down. People always talk about, you know, especially mentioning the vinyl before, like I need the Benny because it is one of the more popular shows. And, and to do an acoustic set like that, they that's the first and last time that I think they ever did a full show in that sort of setting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it it blew us away. I mean, they still brought it up. And what You know, when people hear acoustic, they think it's, you know, James Taylor playing with, with no microphone on his guitar. And I love James Taylor. Um, yeah. But, I mean, they still kind of got into it. But you're right. It was very more sedate than some of their other shows. But for my money, I, I think I like their sedate stuff better anyway. Like Love Boat Captain is probably my favorite song. Besides That's the untitled. Like, it. And it has everything anyway. You know, just like Better Man, you know, has everything. It has, you hear the lyrics, you hear, you hear the melody, you hear the harmony, and they also kind of throw in some rock. Um, I'm not personally as big a fan when they just want to go wild up. To, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Like they're good at what they do, but it's less my thing than, you know, some of these others where you really hear Ed, you know, dominate it, you know, with his voice and, and just, just playing good music. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the unique uh, trait that they have is just that they can, pull you from all different directions. There are people that are punk Pearl Jam fans. There are people that are into the more, you know, the arena rock songs like Given a Fly and Corduroy. And then, yeah, the, the, the songs like you're saying, Love Boat Captain and Better Man, like people get really into those songs too. It, it's, it brings in just about every different style and, and genre of a fan that, that you can think of for at least rock and roll. Yeah, and that was so cool when they did the Seattle uh, and then Fenway uh, later in the summer, what, 2018? 2018, yeah. yeah. 2018. I know why, because we were doing a, a charity event the very next day. So, like, and I remember that was 2018. But um, we had nephews and nieces and cousins and, you know, people that weren't really into that. They just kind of knew, oh, cool, Seattle band, let's go. But they played a little bit for everybody. And, you know, sure. we're just making, like, they can go slow or they can go big and, and it's good music all the way through. McCready's doing his thing where he points at people while he's playing. He still loves doing it. him playing yellow lead better that whole bit, you know, and mm-hmm. he's done now a, his kind of version of the Hendrix anthem many times Oh yeah, out there, like at, at Seattle games. So, you know, that it, it's really amazing though. Like we talked at the top and it's true, you know, good people are good people, whether they're great athletes or great musicians or whatever they are. But at the same time, just to have that staying power for all those years. And, and when you look around, sometimes I just play around and look at covers 
or look at Eddie playing with somebody else. It's like, oh my God, they played with every like, how cool is it? He did Pink Floyd stuff and how he played there, you know, he must have done something with McCartney and I've missed it, you know. So I mean, that's saying something too, kind of like right, the the respect others have for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the influences that they grab from all different spectrums of of, of music, whether it be you know, Ed's real into the who, and we talk about, uh, uh, their Jane's addiction was a huge influence on them really early on and how they wanted to be more of an art rock band, uh, and Fugazi from a political and, uh, uh, that kind of statement that they, they've grabbed from those influences. Neil Young, they, they'd have Ben Hurst out there warming up for him. I mean, it's, I, I would love I'll hear a song sometimes like, oh, I'd love to hear them cover that. Like it'd be even like Motown. Like Jeff told me sure. a lot of his early stuff, learning bass and learning what was the roots were Motown. Like growing up, being a little kid and, mm-hmm. and learning how those guys, you know, banged around on the, on the bass. And uh, I remember this is sort of off topic, but it was like a beautiful sentiment. I went to a show soon after One Direction had played in Seattle and I went there with my daughters and Ed went with his daughter. Just coincidentally, I heard later that he was there. And there, and there was some Pearl Jam chatter about, oh, Ed, what is, how could you go for that pop stuff? And, and I remember he said something back. I Somehow it came out like on the Pearl Jam feed, I think. But more to the point, he had a concert himself not long after. And he kind of gave this little speech at the beginning. And I think he was talking about that scene, you know, that, that dialogue afterward that there was some... I don't know, some bitter fans, like, how, how could you be a sellout going to One Direction? But he just gave this really beautiful speech about respecting everybody's music. And, you know, wonder, I'm, I'm not a, personally a huge one, but they're pretty good at what they do. Justin Bieber is pretty good at what he does. You know, all these different artists might not be for you. You're not buying their stuff or, or playing it in your car, but it's okay to respect that other people like it. And he was just trying to make that point. But he took a while to, to get there. And, and I'm almost sure that's what he was talking about. Like, felt a little heat from people thinking, you know. It needs a bottle of wine to, to get through that one. That, that could sure. be true. <laughs> See, I personally like the lower uh, number of ounces of wine shows than the ones with. Well, sometimes it's Gatorade. If you, if, uh, if you go on the right night, it, it's, it can be Gatorade. And you can tell when his voice is a little down. That, 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 is, uh, that is red Gatorade right there. I get the guy that I wish got a little more play is boom. They're keyboards. Of course. Yeah. Good. And he's such a nice guy. I haven't only spent a little bit of time, but he's just like you'd expect, you know, he's just this happy lying lying. Just, yeah. Just standing there being normal, like no pretentiousness at all. Just goes up there and hits the key, but he was a great addition. And Ed kind of found him on the beach somewhere, right? He was surfing in Hawaii. I never heard, I never heard the story of, of how that even happened. Yeah, I, I I think you know, and I don't I don't know the specifics of it, but I think Ed, you know, goes down to Hawaii every every now and again. Maybe he has a place down there, and uh, I think he went out surfing and he met Boom, and they got to talking, and Boom said, "Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm an organist," and that's actually how and where Love Boat Captain was written in Hawaii. Oh, I did not know that. I think the story is too that uh, Boom didn't know who Pearl Jam was. He was just like, "Oh, I met this guy. He wants me to play with his band." <laughs> That's even better. I remember, I, I can't remember which show it was. I feel like the family was at the concert is why Ed brought up the story. And I, I hope I don't get the story wrong, but he was 
out on a boat on a I think he was on a board like I don't know if he's in a surfboard it might have been like a, a wakeboard type thing but he, and he got sucked out and was like seriously scared for his well-being yeah I think I know there what was, you're talking about I think there was a man who's like a fisherman or something that was calling it quits for the day and the kid was like can we go back out I want to go out once more and talk to dad let's go out once more and they're the ones who pulled him in yeah and he, Obviously, he told the story far better than that, but it was like, whoa, we were like, because I'd never heard it until he told that story at that show. Right. I think that was, uh, I think that was in New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. John, does that sound right? Yeah, I think 95 New Zealand. Yeah. Well, I had the right ocean. <laughs> That's all you needed. That Nobody surfs in the Atlantic. <laughs> one, one thing I actually do want to know, you've had uh, Jeff on uh you know main event and a couple other things that you've done uh how good of an actor is jeff uh he i don't think he likes doing it because he doesn't think <laughs> he's good but he's better than he thinks he is you know what i mean he's like oh god what am i doing you know like he knows what he he knows how to do what he knows how to do right so everybody uh stick with your expertise but no he he a couple times the other time we had him on he was actually i was in la and i think he actually was playing hartford if i'm not mistaken and it was the top of the NBA season. This is like five, six years ago. And we were just kicking around ideas like what would be a fun way to get the NBA season. So why don't we call a guy from Pearl Jam and he can he loves basketball. Um, I know his knees have bugged him a little bit the last couple of years, but I think he's still he's still moving around. Um, but yeah, he's actually played in college briefly. He was at Montana, probably could have kept playing, but just he was just like I don't know, want to be the 10th man forever here. You know, like, I mean, sure. but he was that good to, to play in college at any level is pretty good. Of course. And a great thing with his love about skating and, and blading. Um, he, he's got these skate parks now all over the place. I think they just put one in, which meant a lot to me because I got some really good friends who live way out Eastern Montana, the Fort Peck uh, native reservation. And <clears throat> they put one in there and, and it sound you know, it's that old, kind of cliche thing about, you know, let's have after school programs. Let's have part, but it, it's so true. You give people something healthy and good to do. Keeps and that's three hours. Them. They're not doing something else, you know? Right. Exactly. But he's been in that forever, man. He, that's like, that, that's kind of what he did. He'd go on the road, just grab his board and take off, you know, wherever, London, anywhere. He just recorded that EP too. It's really good. I don't know if you've heard it. He did five or six songs. Yeah. It's really great. I'm going to listen to all of it. I only heard one, put it aside. No, no offense to it. I just, it's one of those things I forgot to follow up on, but I'm going to for sure. He said he was just not bored, but wanted to do something with all this time. He's, you know, what am I doing today? Is writing a book or making a song? So it was like his little private art project. Just wanted to have, and I, you know what the one I really like? Um, I can, I cannot think of the title. It's only like two or three songs. And the guy singing with him, I think he was an older, older bluesman guy. Like, cannot think of the name. He told me his name before. And I don't know how they put it. Do you remember they had a song about uh, That's What God Told Me? It's basically like he just made up a little band. It was him and two other guys. And this guy, like I said, beautiful, strong, like rhythm and blues voice. Uh, let me go to albums. Nope. See, we're gonna we're gonna be sad if we don't get the answer to this. We need it now. We're we're on the hunt for it now. The song that I'm talking about is basically 
it's sort of the modern version of, do you know the Stevie Wonder song, Jesus Children of America? I think so, yeah. It's from uh, Inner Visions. And it's basically a song about hypocrites, like spouting off about how godly they are and, and how much, you know, what strong Christians they are. But are you, the hook line is, are you hearing what you're saying? Are you feeling what you're praying, you know? Right. And these guys have, it, it always reminded me of that, not in the way it sounded, but in the message. And so it's about people telling others, God told me this, God told me that. And the guy in response is kind of like, God told me not to listen to you. <laughs> and it's not anti-God, it's anti-hypocrite. Right, right, right. There's a difference. I think I've found it. You found Hold it? On. They called themselves Trace Mountains. Okay. That's ringing a bell? Yeah. And I don't even know who all is in it. I know Jeff's in it. And whoever this guy singing is. That was Richard Stuverud, his drummer friend from back in the day, and Doug from King's X. Really? That sounds right. Yeah. So this is my style right here. You hear everything? There's great music going on. Yeah. Yeah, Trace Mountains is great. That was one of his really good side projects. That's probably my favorite side project he's done. Not that I know all of them, what they are, but... Yeah, God told me not to listen to you. God told me not to talk to you. He told me you don't know a thing. God tells me everything. So it's kind of like flipping it on. And again, like I said, it's not an anti-God message. Just like there are a lot of people where it, as a put down to others, like you're not behaving like I am. And yet the ones telling the others how to behave aren't necessarily right. living the righteous life to begin with. But. Right. Um, yeah, that was good. That was worth. That was worth it. I listen to this thing later. So yeah, like any other great stories, you being in in Bristol, did you uh, did you ever catch them in uh, in Hartford? I know you were out on the West Coast a little bit uh, before. You ever catch them in Hartford? I've I've seen them at the Hartford, whatever that amphitheater place is called. Oh well, yeah, they call it like a thousand things now. Once uh, or twice, yeah. Now is it Xfinity? It's really the Meadows. Yeah. Um, it was good. I, I think the the weirdest time I think was the Boston show, and we ended up because they gave us we, we had seats and we also had these little cool guy you know passes that act important, and ended up on the side. Although it's a cool vision, you know, you're seeing it in a different way, but you don't hear the songs nearly as well. It's kind of muffled. It's kind of weird. But we took a break. It was a long show, and they happened to have an ice cream machine in the back of the stadium, wherever it was near, uh, near Foxborough. Uh-huh. Like, well, what the hell, you know, let's make hot fudge Sundays. So just the oddity of sitting there eating a hot fudge Sunday <laughs> on the side set, listening to, you know, Leatherman or something, you know, like was, <laughs> that was strange. Uh, they did a really cool thing. Um, I think I mentioned this to you before. I, I have a uh, old ruined ankle from football and so I got this brace for it. And my wife and I started a foundation where we give these braces away to veterans. And there was a guy not related to that program, but another veteran who um, told, told a story how basically he, he credits them with saving his life, that he was you know suffering from PTS. And one of the last things he was going to do is listen to some Pearl Jam. And, there, and I, don't, I wish I knew the song. I should ask him. I, I, I don't remember him telling me the name of the song, but literally like, not tonight, you know? So he's still around, just got remarried, just had a baby, 
and he got to meet him one day to you know kind of thank them like for his life wow that's, that's i mean story. you hear those stories all the time and and they never get old it's it's you know even uh dennis rodman i think uh, uh said that black was the reason why he stayed alive you know like it's it's just amazing what this band can do to you sometimes and just music in general i think i mean you know until somebody tells you that you don't know how you'd, you'd react it's almost too much to bear i would you know like oh my like really like we're just guys playing music here like but right for somebody to be touched in that way i would hope uh you know i'm sure they handled it the right way they always have the you know kind of the right grace about things and and especially people in seattle know but i mean they make it known the different projects that they support the whole mm-hmm. bunch of different things we got to as do many now uh, a tough homeless issue and they, they were kind of at the forefront of that They've also always kind of been on the lookout. That Ben Arroyo show, in fact, I believe was a, was a, to raise money for like a youth shelter, like a youth um, right. center yeah. and, and a place where people could go and, and, you know, be safe. So I remember that's kind of how we paid back. It's all coming back to me now. That's, we went and made a donation there. Like, all right, that's why they did the show. We should support what they're doing. So you mentioned Love Boat Captain as one of your favorite songs. Uh, have you gotten to see that live? Uh, what are some other ones that resonate live with you, like when you're at a concert that uh, that really stand out? I'll tell you the one I'm jealous that I didn't see live, but I feel like I did because I saw the DVD and I felt it as close as you could. It was, I think the name of the song is Ark. There's oh, no yeah. Word. And yeah. It was the opening of a Madison Square Garden show. Right. Yep. And it, uh, uh, you know, I can't you see the, the scenery and in New York. It was right after 9 New York. It looks like a, you know, like a 1960s movie or something. Mm-hmm. And then they just busted into Love Boat Captain. And it's just so powerful. I mean, the message of it, not everybody knows all the lyrics, but, you know, they pay tribute to the fans that lost. lost killed, yeah. Terrible yeah. thing that happened. And, and what is it? I lost nine friends three years ago today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, I've never talked to him about that. And I've never, you know, if he ever wanted to talk about it, I would talk about it, but it didn't, it's never felt right. Hey, tell me about that. You know, I mean, what a heavy thing, right? So, but I I would think, you know, that's something you carry forever. That's why I think a song that was beautiful and uplifting was a great tribute to this horrible thing that had happened. And he's, Ed, I've heard Ed talk about how they've, you know, become friends and stayed in touch with some of the family members. Yep. Um, you know, they just reached and said, Hey, we're here. We, you know, we, they didn't do anything wrong. And, right. And, but it was their show. So they, right. They're there. I, I know a listener of ours wrote in one day and said that, I think it was in Amsterdam. He was at a show in Amsterdam and got talking to a couple next to him and, and said that they were the parents of one of the victims. Hmm. And yeah, and they and they've kept touch to this day, and that's not something they don't publicize things like that at all. They they just do it because it's in their hearts. It's out of the good of their hearts, and they you know that was and I mean that that was twenty years ago, two months ago. It just just go to think, and that almost how do you how do you keep together after that? They they kept you know they, I think they obviously canceled the rest of that tour, but they had to go and do a full major u.s tour after that uh, and i think ed actually um says that sonic youth you know touring with them was was a blessing because they they helped him throughout the whole entire thing just get through it and and just sort of you know get back to to you know reality almost yeah i mean that's what 
that that other lyric about uh, if it was if our lives became too long, would that add to our regret? Mm -hmm. Like, what a powerful you know, like just the guilt that you don't you shouldn't be owning, but they know they. How can they not a little bit? And that right, uh, I would say, I've heard him many times. Maybe not every show, in one way or another, every show, but. I've seen him go out of his way, like just kind of say, hey, guys, look around. Anybody need help out there? Oh, Anybody yeah. Need water? Yeah, Absolutely. Up, let's, let's, let's look after each other. So Right. right. And they'll – we talked a bit about this really recently too. Uh, I mean, they're paying attention to the crowd. If there are people in the crowd, you know, I think there was an incident in Wrigley during uh, – they're playing Luke and a guy has, has a finger in a, in a woman's face and Ed stops mid-song. Yes. That happening. So stop, 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 stop. Get your finger out of the woman's head. And, and never before in my life have, had I ever seen, and it's always the opposite. Ed makes sure that the security guards get the fans back. But this one, Ed was saying, no, get this guy the hell out of here. This, this guy doesn't deserve to be at a Pearl Jam show. I mean, in, in little ways and big ways, you know, it's kind of like their character shines through, I think. Of course. Yeah. And I love that version of Love Boat Captain too. I can't get enough. Like that's that's my my introduction to the band was a lot of that DVD and and that I mean the first six songs of that that version of Last Exit just gives me chills just thinking about it. Um, and the Let the Games Begin line like that. Oh, let and they changed Let the Show Begin. Uh huh. Yep. Exactly. I loved in the Seattle 2018 how they Petty had just passed away. Yeah. And they, they did, I think they did it both there and Boston, if I'm not mistaken, but. Yeah, I, they did it all. They did, um, at Wrigley, I think he brought out uh, Petty's guitar. Mm. Played Petty's guitar at Wrigley. And yeah, they did Boston too. Yeah, it's. It's funny, Petty, I always, I mean, I, you know, from a young age, high, high school, college, like I've known his, but I wasn't like devoted to, it's just like, wow, Petty's pretty good, you know, and then you hear. Right. And then when he passed, I started going back through stuff. Like, oh my god this guy is ridiculous like the catalog that he had the incredible hit, back catalog and just the style and and i i was uh i gotta say fortunate enough to meet him once um he was playing the super bowl um what year was it was it i think that was the giants patriots the first giants patriots super bowl i believe at arizona do i have that part right Ooh, i don't know about that part um we, we can look it up wherever the hell it was so <laughs> he was going to be the halftime guy, right? He's playing the halftime show. Mm -hmm. And so I get this hookup to interview him about, you know, how excited he is for the halftime show. And we also got him, I, I'm sure it was Arizona. I think I know why. I think because we did this ridiculous story where one of the Sopranos was trying to get me to get him tickets, which is a <laughs> true story in real life. But we made that our story. Like I was being threatened to get tickets for this guy. So Petty gave us a line for that. And met his kid, and you know it was just like this cool. He was just super, like you'd expect. You know, he's like, right. he's like he was that documentary uh, about all the music in uh, in L.A. Uh, he was in that. Uh, Jacob Dylan's kid was. Oh, Jacob I Dylan. know what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it. Yeah, yeah, it was like uh, Echo in the Valley or something like that. Echo in the Canyon. There we go. So we find stuff eventually. <laughs> that one we didn't have to Google. Yeah. So where was it? Petty was great in that, but anyway. He does a really nice interview and it's light, but it's serious. And, you know, we got kind of got this nice little two or three minute, you know, sit down. So that the game, we were live for like, you know, four hours, you know, started, you know, eight in the morning or whatever time it was. And 
they don't run it. It's supposed to run the first hour or two, and it doesn't run. It's something else, some news breaks. So I'm, you know, I got my little IFB. I'm saying, hey, when are we doing the pet? You know, because you don't want to like, hey, put me on TV. But at the same time, I'm reminding them, hey, I'm still out here. We haven't run the petty thing. Right. And we end up not running it. It never runs because when we get to the last hour of, of countdown and the Super Bowl's on another channel, they're getting into the whole, you know, coaches are talking strategy and all this good stuff, football stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was so disappointed. I remember arguing with somebody later, like, how did you guys not run Tom Petty? I, I, put, I put a word between Tom and Petty. <laughs> and somebody was like, oh, he's not that, you know, he's not that prominent or not. He said something stupid like that. I said, well, not that prominent. He's the Super Bowl halftime. <laughs> they have to be a little bit prominent. And then we started, like, hold on. Name, name five great American bands ever, right? Or, you know, rock artists. Who are they? You know, like, yeah. Like, right now, who are they? Like, Petty's just Walker. solo artist? Just American rock. I mean, he's American right rock. there with Springsteen and Springsteen? Yeah. Um, Pearl Jam. Who's in there? Aerosmith, maybe? They're close. Maybe. Um on the door. Foo Fighters at this point, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's not. But my point is, we we haven't even gotten to the right five necessarily. But Petty's one of them. Of course, has to be. Everybody. I mean, that he can have. I think any band that could have four or five arena songs, and this is what Petty. It remarkably did throughout his career. He made these songs that just reverberates through the arena where everybody can sing, where it's, it's the kind of songs, especially I won't back down where you play it at a sporting event and you can stop the song and everybody will sing. There ain't no easy way. Out. And it just becomes a moment, you know, and everybody knows it. I think when you have that, you're, you're in the upper echelon, you're on the Mount Rushmore there, you know? So I did want to ask you, uh, you've mentioned Stevie Wonder is one of your favorite artists. Obviously, Pearl Jam uh, covered Someday at Christmas for the fan club single back in the early 2000s. Uh, did you have something to do with that? Maybe put a word in like, hey, guys, you might want to might want to try this one. I can't take credit for that one, um, but I can tell you a good Stevie Wonder story. Sure. So, Love it. So I went to long story short i'm now in my one of my first is my very let me start that over that sucked ready i can tell you a good stevie wonder story um it was literally my first week on tv in seattle washington i'd kind of risen up from like a gopher and producer and next thing they're like sticking me on tv somehow i've never been on tv except for local pbs in las vegas and second day on the job stevie wonder's coming to town for the in square circle was the name of the album and it's his concert kickoff is going to be Seattle. And I talked to the assignment. I said, hey, Stevie Wonder's, you know, I, he's like this guy I've idolized all my life. I talk him into going barely. They barely want to let me do it. We go to his rehearsal and they tell us five minutes of B-roll. You have to clear the Coliseum where the Sonics used to play. Um, and instead that bleeds into half hour and for, nobody really cares at that point. People are still, and there's no interviews. Next thing I look up and there's a guy on the stage talking to Stevie Wonder more enterprising than I apparently. So we all go sprinting up. Oh, he's talking now. So now like five cameras are all around Stevie's keyboards. I'm the last guy in because we were the way back and I'm so nervous. I'm like holding the mic, just like, I seriously am shaking. Like I'm Stevie wonders right here, you know? And I ended up 
trying to balance the mic so it wouldn't shake anymore, kind of at the edge of the keyboard. But I end up instead hitting the key and it's like, (laughs) he's talking about world peace or whatever. And and all of a sudden you hear this blend of, and and nobody really says anything. It's just like this scramble. And he just reaches over and he turns the volume to zero. He just takes, he he knows he's leaning on a board, but he doesn't care. It's like, whatever, it's not hurting it. So years and years later, the All-Star game is going to be in Detroit. I'm now at ESPN, and Stevie's from Saginaw, Michigan. So I talked to my producer. Let me go to this thing called Live 8. It's uh, this big world concert they're doing in, in Philly, I think New York, and London or something like that. Yeah. And it was, it was, the goal was to get uh, the industrialized nations to relieve, relieve some African debt, right? So it was the, 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 the G8 telling the 8 to relieve the debt. Right. And I'm going to try to get Stevie Wonder to just do one line that we're going to put in the softball thing that we're doing the two weeks later, whatever. And I have no press pass. I got nothing. I just fly to Philadelphia. And as the day goes on, I just keep upgrading. You know, first I I got this flimsy little pass I got from the guy running it. You can sit in a tent about a mile away from the show. It's like, well, that's not going to get me to Stevie Wonder. And then next, next thing I bump into some teamster, and he's got lanyards. He's like, he recognized me from sports. And he's like, you, you need better access. Now I got a lanyard around my neck. I'm hanging out talking to Sarah McLaughlin backstage. And I get near Stevie's tent or trailer. He's playing last, I think, or, or near last. And this guy's waving people in to meet him. Like, you know, Will Smith, you know, walks through. And Natalie Portman comes up. And, and I'm like, well, this is, you know, seeing all these people. And there's Stevie. And the guy points right at me. And he's big smile. And he's waving. Like, come on, come on. It's your turn. And in my head, I'm like, how the hell do they know who I am? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, maybe one of his guys just, hey, that guy from Sports Center, he's here. So I take like half a step, like I'm about to go toward it. Don Cheadle walks by me. We're oh. pointing <laughs> Don Cheadle the whole time. So now I feel like an idiot, but nobody really knows but me how stupid I am. So, But I do get to the guy. I said, here's my story, ESPN, blah, blah, blah. I need him for one minute. Just one joke that we're trying to squeeze in the thing. He said, when he's done, you wait. And he points to where I got to wait. He'll come by. You explain it. He'll either do it or he won't. It's up to you to sell him on it. Mm -hmm. So the show's awesome. um, And and I'm standing there in my spot. And I tell tell him the background, why why I want it, what it's for. And I said, your line is, I can't be at the All-Star game. I have a high ankle sprain. That's all I want from him. And he laughs, does it one take. I, and I, I got to tell him the next time I saw him was the Seattle-Detroit Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And he's playing, he's playing pre-Super Bowl. Stones are playing at halftime, which is how it was when he was young, right? He opened for the Stones sometimes. Right, yeah. And I got to tell him that story about leaning on his keyboard. So I said, essentially, I tell people we've collaborated you know? <laughs> and he's like let's make the album let's go ah that's a great story that's awesome uh well one day maybe we'll get the collaboration on stage with pearl jam where you can get up to boom and and uh put your mic on booms uh b3 i i kind of forgot to answer a question well from earlier <laughs> okay uh, i'm just going to close with this so my birthday Two years ago, I think it was, Stevie Wonder plays in Springfield, Mass. On September 1st, my birthday. The next day, Pearl Jam, September 2, in Boston. So that's... Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's 2018, yeah. That's two good shows. Back that's fantastic. In 48 hours, 24 hours, really. 
Stevie Wonder, Pearl Jam. It's, uh, those are two good acts right there. Yeah, I you can't get better than that. I All great stuff, all great stories. I mean, you know, you've been telling them for, for ages, but one thing I want to know, what's your best Jason Sobel story? It was, uh, I feel like it was a golf. <laughs> it had to have been a golf. Yeah, there was something weird at the TPD Sawgrass. I feel like he helped me get something. What was it? It was, it was to get David Duvall, I think. I'm trying. My mind's. David Duvall was in a funk. He he had, you know, just he was number one, right? Fighting Tiger for number one in the world, and he just fallen off. And we talked him into going to miniature golf to work out the yips. That was going to (laughs) be his method of, and just to approach. I I feel like there was something there in the setup, but he ended up saying yes. We went to miniature golf. We made a story. Didn't fix his golf game, but uh, he, <laughs> he was pretty cool to do that because you think of the the level those guys, you know, stand. And for somebody to kind of clown about falling off, you know, to the degree that he had and to go completely screw around. Yeah, sure, let's play miniature golf. You just get them in a light mood and get them to figure it out. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, I mean – uh, my brother's always figured shit out like that. He, he learned under boom, you know, he, he was, he produced, I don't know if you knew this. He produced the, the boom segment with, uh, at Shea stadium with him and his dad. Oh, nice. Yeah. He got to, that was, uh, that was a two minute drill that my, that my brother produced. So it's, I mean, it's one of the most classic two minute drill moments that, that I can remember. So thank you so much for, for doing this great stories and great having you. Um, uh, how's... You mentioned a couple of charitable things. Uh, is there anything else you want to get out there, like promote or something we could signal boost for you? Two things. One is our the charity I mentioned, which is runfreely.org, R-U-N-F-R-E-E-L-Y. This is the brace? Yeah. So if you go to that site, there's a whole background story to it. And you know, it came about because my ankle just, as I got older, worse and worse. I seriously almost considered taking it off. Like it was in that kind of pain. I was waking up depressed. Like it, it was bad, but I found this guy in gig Harbor, which is near South of Seattle, Tacoma. And, and it's amazing what he's making. They basically, it displaces the pressure off your joint. So I can stick it on and go play tennis, paddle ball. I can take hikes with Gretchen, wow. lag football, zero pain. Now it doesn't fix my ankle. It still, you know, looks like a softball is inside it, but um, we were both Gretchen and I were both like, we got to do something good with this. So we started just figured out how to do it. You know, got a lawyer to do all the paperwork and started. It's very small. We're, we're basically averaging one soldier a month, but that's not terrible. It's two years. Hey. No. Yeah, of course. If one, if one soldier benefits from it, then yeah, that's, that's a huge deal. Completely changes their life. Uh, one woman recently got hers and then she got a job because now she can move around again. And she's now a nurse out of there in Seattle helping wow. know, COVID issues. So wow. uh, the other, a very small moneymaker, if you want to tell anybody, but you guys might like it. In fact, if you go to tops, T-O-P-P-S, tops.com, I made up a game when I was a little kid with my uncle. And I, for one day I was just like, I should approach somebody about, do they want to market it and, you know, make it a board game. So it comes in a little package, like a deck of cards. Mm-hmm which essentially is all it is. You split it in half and high card wins. So like a Jack's a single, a Queen's a double, et cetera. 
but it's fun. You make your lineups and there's, you know, a little story behind the, the game and all that, but people can buy that at tops.com and cool. it's called 52 card baseball. Okay. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Thanks for that. Well, it was great having you here and we can catch you on sports center at any time. Uh, what, what you're doing the 11 o'clock. I don't even know what's because Van Pelt's on at night. Uh, what a, are are you still doing Sports Center at night or? Yeah, the way it was sold was going to be they wanted me to be doing the eleven leading into Van Pelt at twelve. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works out that way. Other and times I'm on games, from right. ten until one, and you know, yeah. So, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Kenny. All right, I hope we, it goes well. See you. And that was great. What a great conversation we had with Kenny there. Thank you so much for Kenny to, for coming on. And, and I know I asked uh, a question at the end. You probably don't know who he is. You might even know who he is because he's in the public eye a little bit. But uh, Jason Sobel, that that happens to be my brother. And, yeah, that's my connection uh, as to how we got Kenny on the show. So I just want to thank him. And, you know, uh, I guess I owe him a favor. I, I don't know. Maybe that's his return for his uh, – uh, uh, is his best man speech or something like that. I have no idea, but, uh, yeah, the, the, good by him to, to help us out and, and get us on, get him on the show. But, uh, we're going to actually do something pretty cool. He mentioned at the end there, his, uh, his charity run, run freely.org and what they do. And, uh, for the month of September, anything that gets donated to our Patreon account, whether it's from current donors or it's from new donors. And this is the chance. If you aren't a part of our Patreon, this is a chance to jump in. If you want to contribute to something, uh, really, really special here, uh, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs. And every penny that we make this month, we are going to donate it to run freely.org to help out Kenny and, and uh, what they're doing over there, because what they're doing is just a fantastic job. Yeah, that's going to be really special. And, uh, you know, he, you can go to their website again, runfreely.org. He, he he tells his story about, you know, what happened to him when he was playing. He had a kind of a catastrophic injury, and this thing is able to help him get up and, and move around with no pain. So, yeah, it's it's great what they're doing. They're they're applying it to, you know, to, to active duty service members and, and you know, veterans who are, who are coming back from the war. So, yeah, just just a great thing. And, you know, we're happy to do it. So thanks yep. to him for for letting us know about it. Yep. And as a thank you for him, we're uh, for joining the show. We're going to donate all of our September contributions over to runfreely.org. So if you're interested in just contributing for the month or contributing the show in general, look, we have all these different things on Patreon that's going on with extra episodes with just us messing around on Debo episodes that we don't usually get to do in regular, uh, you know, weekly episodes. We have all of that. It's stuff that you wouldn't want to miss. If you're into the show and you love the content on the show and you tune in every week, there's a lot more to be had. And it's honestly, it's a dollar a month and that gets you in. There's a lot more that we invite the fans in to do than just, you know, be a patron and, and contribute. Oh yeah, you know we've we've had these people. We've had those. Uh, we've we've got our bootleg of the month coming up again soon. Uh, we've had our forums going with that. We've, we're going to do some more setlist drafts coming up. So yeah, there's a lot of chances to be interactive. Absolutely. So uh, look again. All of our contributions for the month of September, go to runfreely.org, and we'll remind you all throughout the month of September, our anniversary month, so to speak. Uh, 
that we'll we'll just give you constant reminders and then we'll uh, we'll let you know how much we raised. Uh, it'll be it'll be really uh, I'm I'm excited to see how 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 we can do on, on this. This is this is going to be fun and and um, yeah, can't can't wait to contribute to a really great cause. So um, most of you must be thinking that after this episode, what are they going to do on their weekly episode Wednesday, John? We talked about a couple things in this episode that makes sense for us to do on a weekly show, so uh, how about we do that? What do you think? Sounds good. Want to do Ben Arroyo? You know, I have mixed feelings about Ben Arroyo because, you know, I love the show, but the the Ben Arroyo vinyl is the reason that I was never able to complete my Pearl Jam vinyl collection, so... It's kind of like I kind of have mixed feelings about it, but no, it's it's a great show, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and it should be a lot of fun. And look, we'll uh, you know for anybody that that listened today, we'll play Kenny's story again just to get you. You know, it's a great story; it needs to be told multiple times. So yeah, that it should be great. And look, it's it's a legendary show within the catalog of Pearl Jam. It's not something they've done uh, over and over and over again. It's very unique to them. So uh, it, it's going to be great. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have it on Wednesday like we do normal episodes. So uh, I think uh, we should close it out for now and uh, just kind of wait until tomorrow. So uh, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer, and although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thank you once again for Kenny Main for coming on the show, joining us, talking about his Pearl Jam fandom, getting us a little bit of inside what's going on through Jeff's mind a little bit, too. That was that was cool, because we don't usually have that connection as well. So, uh, And remember, you know, if you want to contribute uh, and uh, contribute to runfreely.org, head on over to our Patreon to contribute. So uh, we'll see you tomorrow for Ben Arroyo Hall. And happy birthday, Kenny. That's right. Happy birthday. Totally forgot. Happy birthday. (laughs) Bye, everybody. See you tomorrow. Yeah,